एक मिनट रुक जाओ रेडी होने दो चलो ये कर लेते हैं
from the books. Did I uh, enjoy coding? I don't think that much. I don't think I understood the concept that well. For some reason, I continued to always come first and second in class. I don't know how, but I didn't <laughs> that's the problem. I, I didn't really get into programming or, um, you know, like it at that point that much. And then when it was final year, then again, I told my dad, what do I do next? <laughs> so he's like, why don't you sit for your cadet entrance exams? So then that's what I did. I think two months before the exams was in November. So uh, he said, you're anyways taking care of your grandma. Just do that. So that's what I did. And then that's how MBA happened. And uh, again, uh, like you chose MBI because it, it would allow you to continue to be in Delhi close to family. Yes, yes. So MDI was my dream institute because I wanted to be close to family because I wanted to be close to my grandma. I figured I could come home over the weekends. So I only took the exam to get through MDI. I didn't want to go through any other <laughs> college. So post MDI, where did you go from campus? So post MDI, my dream job, there's a lot of that that you'll hear in my <laughs> In my story, <laughs> I I went to DSP Merrill Lynch, now now BlackRock. So you did a finance uh, specialization. Yeah, finance and marketing specialization. And I used to think I'm I'll be really good in marketing. So let me do. You know, there was this term MOFS, Marketing of Financial Services. So I said that's what I want to do. So um, it, it's quite crazy. Like you know, my professors. Like I remember they wanted me to sit in Goldman Sachs interview. It was more like an equity, like a research analyst role and all that. And I just ran away, <laughs> like from outside. So again, I only wanted DSP Maryland. So I then thought that let me get into finance. The closest to that would be quant, quant role. Then I started preparing for it. I took three interviews. I think I got all three jobs. Wow. And then I selected the one in New York again because... That this is where we live. This is the one in Manhattan. This General Motors Asset Management. And what's the role there? Like, what does a quant do in an asset management company? This was the pension arm, which one of the largest corporate pension funds. And this was a new team, which was starting out with, so I was the first hire in that team. And my job was to build models, you know, using several tools, um, MATLAB, Access, VBA build models to support all the investment classes. So equities or fixed income, or I build like a trade cost reporting model, a risk assessment model. So it was a very interesting role because getting exposure to all the different asset classes and I had no idea how I'll do it, but I said, let me just, you know, get right in. And I learned just everything right before my interview. Somehow I got to it. <laughs> so the rest of my career at GM was... Uh, I was a portfolio manager, managing internal money. I, I built my own trading model, had a fairly good run. Uh, this was when the market had tanked and my model was based on investing in stocks with quality and value. Okay. So I was like, outperforming the market every year. Wow. That was GM. If you like to hear stories of founders, then we have tons of great stories from entrepreneurs who have built billion-dollar businesses. Just search for the Founder Thesis Podcast on any audio streaming app like Spotify, Ghana, Apple Podcasts, and subscribe to the show. What drove that desire to 
quit well-paying, lucrative career and become an entrepreneur? There was a bunch of things that happened. One, you know, General Motors was going through a lot of problems. A lot of money then was being outsourced, managed by external managers. Actually, my portfolio and one more was the last portfolio, internal portfolio standing. That's just one, right? The direction, a lot of people got laid off. It was never my ambition to become like a CEO or CIO. And I just wanted to learn and continue to do more in investments. But one thing that shook me, first time I'm watching people getting laid off and, you know, the traders I used to work with. And so uh, that was one. The second was that, you know, while I enjoyed doing this, it's not that, you know, I was staying up at night thinking about this. Like after a point, it became like very, very routine. Yeah, I felt there wasn't more learning left for me. So I used to have a lot of free time there. Okay. That's when I also started our nonprofit because I just had a lot of free time. And I started thinking that, you know, I should be doing something which is very stimulating. Like I need to find, you know, my purpose. And, and that's when I became a mother. And all these things were happening at the same time. <laughs> and what was your husband doing at that time? Like what was Tarun doing? Uh, so Tarun was um, at Deutsche Bank at that time. Okay. He's always been in fixed income investments, fixed income risk. That's been his career. So he, he was at Deutsche Bank. And I think he was also going through a similar phase, right? After working in the corporate world for 15 years, it's like, I'm sure he has his own experiences. But I was pretty determined that like, you know, I'll have to do something very intellectually stimulating and where I get a chance to do something kick ass and I need to find my purpose. And then that's when I became a mother and I started thinking like I was fascinated, like just, you know, by the thought of building something for moms because I couldn't believe the experience of being a first time mom. I'm like, you know, there's babies born all the time, left, right and center. But it's like really hard what a mom goes through. Like <laughs> nobody knows, like, you know, so I felt like it's a very complex decision making part in your life. And something can be done to solve the discovery journey for a mother. Like, why don't I do something, you know, here? And that's where the idea of Baby Destination came to me. And just one thing led to another. I started talking to moms, doing research. I started talking to people in India. I'm like, we have to do this. Like, you know, so then I decided to quit. You decided you want to do like a content play, like create content for moms? Or like, what was it that... I mean, how would you solve the problem of first-time mom? So I wanted to solve the discovery journey of a mother. Just very simply put, to put it in simple language, right? From the time you're pregnant and then when you become a mom, there's lots of decisions you had to take. Like lots of decisions, right? Every day, it's how to take care of the baby, what diaper to buy, right? How to pick a nanny, like so many things, right? And the inputs in that decision is what you, of course, feel is right. And there's often not a lot of time also, right? And the lot of information which is thrown at you. But often there's an opportunity to learn a lot from your peers. And I went through that myself. So when I was going back to work after my maternity leave, my son, he refused to take a bottle. I used to breastfeed him and he refused to take a bottle. And, you know, I read all the blogs, I, you know, what the doctor said, my mom said, everybody's giving me advice. And I'm like, damn, how do I leave him and go, right? Because I was, there was no backup for me at work. I was the only portfolio manager. I somehow got into like, you know, in a WhatsApp group where there was a friend's wife who went through the same problem. And she suggested a bottle whose, you know, the nipple was such that she'd gone through the same issue. So... I bought that bottle and it worked for my son because I was going crazy, buying like $100 bottles and, you know, like 
what is going on like which child doesn't drink from a bottle i'm like something's not right so lots i mean this is just one incident right lots of such things happened which made me realize that it's not as easy as everyone makes it sound and there is more that could be done in terms of enabling mums to make the right decisions without so much stress of everybody telling you what to do so um what i thought could solve this problem is content community and the availability of those products and services that was the initial idea okay so it's like a social commerce kind of a concept which you had yes social commerce but the idea was content community because you know there's a lot of expert information available out there if that is coupled with peer experience and then you can make a trusted decision which is either how to take care it's just an informational you know decision or it is a decision to buy a product or choose a service so and those products would also be available on baby destination which would yes. be the monetization path yes yes yeah okay and why india yeah because uh, you know i just felt like when i spoke to my friends you know in india we did some research in india i tried to run focus groups i just realized that it's a bigger problem to solve in india you know in us that there's a lot of protocols around things right like there's certain basic questions are answered like there's no question mark on should i give cow's milk or should i give it's a very mature and an evolved market but in india the need gap is higher uh, and that's why the opportunity is also higher and just you know of course the population is much higher so more babies are born so that's why i thought we should do this in india okay so tell me about the go to market journey like you know when did you quit your job and launch version 1 of the product and how was it compared to what you had originally planned so um i quit in 2015 i actually wanted to quit in january 2015 but uh, i had a you know personal reason due to which i had to prolong it to uh 2015 and so then i quit and i came to india and then just first few months were again just spent in talking to mums figuring out you know how to do what to do and in the end the first version of product was just babydestination.com with a lot of content which was informational content because the idea was to learn right like let's just have content out there and learn it also had a couple of features which would enable the community part of it right it wasn't a forum but we used to call it stories at that time it's very different from instagram stories but there was a content initially and then a community feature and then there were products that you could also purchase okay like products were like you were handling the end to end from inventory to logistics to all that or was it like through some sort of alliance so we were handling end to end I don't think okay. anyone knows so much details but yes we were so we thought that initially when we were testing this out we'll just have exclusive products right so a number of them were actually international brands and very exclusive useful products which were not available in a lot of places so we were sort of doing end to end and that's how we launched in mid 2016 and what did the market tell you like three different legs one is a community lag and then a product lag and then a content lag what did the market tell you what did people want it's exactly what the market told us that you know are you, are you a content platform or are you a community or are you a commerce platform that's exactly what the market told us right so you know separately on these pieces the, what was missing was the journey right 
it's like in my mind there was an ideal journey somebody comes right they they read a relevant content piece and then they hear other mom's opinions and then they take a decision if it's a product decision then that's the journey if it's not a product decision then you know they just they read the content they hear other mom's opinions and then they're able to take that decision and they they become an active part of the community so i thought it's as simple as that and that's how it flows but that's not what happened right people used to come read the content they used to share the content so actually our content was shared a lot like you know we had a lot of organic traffic on our website because it was very very useful content but these were okay. people who would come who would read content share like we used to have sometimes thousands of shares on our content organically but that was it right it ended there and then there were people who would come and just click on the product and buy the product and go and we're like what is going on like this is okay not- so these yeah. are like unrelated audiences yes they they used to because it you know again a consumer doesn't always go through that journey right a lot of people would buy the product just because it wasn't available anywhere else right and we were experimenting with all channels so we realized in september or october that we're doing too much right we're trying to build three different things together and just because maybe we were first time founders and i we we just went right in right like didn't really think too much and thought that this could be done and plus we were bootstrapped so and tarun also quit his job at the same time and yes like- yes so tarun had moved to india with me he was very convinced of the idea as well so we moved and we were trying to do all of this with a five people team including content writers like content is not easy to scale yeah i just i used to it was me and it was one intern so wow. <laughs> i did all the sourcing myself like you know tied yeah. up with 60 plus brands i don't know how we did all of that this is while you also had an infant to take care of yeah 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 wow you know the important thing there was we realized that very soon that this is not happening right it's just an unrealistic expectation it's not adding value you know it's been confusing mums right we're doing content really well like at one point our organic just through our organic reach our facebook page reach was 15 million organically so there was a lot of you know information mums were getting through the content but just in the community right to come back like they would come once and they would not come back So all the things that I've we've learned now on what to do while building a community we didn't know back then. The retention was a problem for community. They used to just come back for content, and Facebook was our biggest organic channel, Facebook page. For commerce, it's like it used to cost money to acquire a person to transact, right? And just didn't even understand how will we ever make up that cost. There was no clarity. We knew nothing basically. <laughs> so we decided that you know we will. roll that back and just do the content and community piece like just take out the commerce piece and just focus on uh content was working we we said we'll continue to do that community we said we'll figure out where to do because fundamentally without community the, the idea was not to build a content platform community had to be a part of it and that's where we realized that if most of the organic reach is coming through facebook which means moms are spending a lot of time on facebook but you know a page you cannot build a community on a page and we started looking at facebook groups and we used to get a lot of organic traffic from other facebook groups like people sharing uh, content or yeah we used to share a lot in other facebook groups also right our content and we used to see how moms are engaging but the problem was they weren't informational so you know it's like mumbai moms delhi moms like they were not informational facebook groups uh, as such around parenting so that's where we felt that if the idea is to give value to moms where they are if this is where moms are then we should build communities on facebook 
and then you know figure out they can they'll still come to the website to read the content because that experience cannot be replicated on facebook but for the community if they are there facebook groups there's nothing better than facebook groups to provide that experience right to initiate that trust and connection between members once they are in a community and just frequent meaningful interactions between members which is very important for a community to thrive that's how we decided to build the community piece on facebook and when was this this was in july uh, 2017 so fairly like fairly quickly you did yeah. the pivot yes and uh, you also were exploring whatsapp as a community channel right yeah so also whatsapp yes so we used to go to a lot of offline events for mums and we used to then you know just create whatsapp groups of all the mums we would meet so we started creating local and hyper local whatsapp communities and we had like hundreds of whatsapp communities at one point okay so facebook groups and whatsapp groups because those are the two channels where mums are already and it has to be a pull rather than a push you cannot drive people onto another platform and then expect them how would they come back if somebody is asking the questions so i could you know we were clear on that then so that's where we chose these two platforms and we also decided to build like not one community but communities around specific pain points so we we learned i think i would say pretty fast right like we got the insight right that communities yes but it has to be around specific life stages specific pain points like what give me an example so like uh, the first community we launched was home remedies for babies and mums so it was specifically around home remedies right then another community is kids nutrition and recipes so like you know specific or weight loss post pregnancy so we kept okay launching these specific communities for a life stage and a pain point so what was 2018 like you know how big did the community size grow in baby destination and when did you finally go in for the external funding yeah so 2018 um, you know we continued to grow and we kept launching more communities i think by the end of 2018 we had about 600000 members in our communities wow and also in the first quarter of 2018 is when facebook noticed us because we were just growing very very fast you know they did a case study on us where they featured our story and you know how we've scaled community so it was a very very interesting and exciting year right we kept building more tools we kept launching more communities that's also the time where we started exploring monetization and really you know what caught our attention was that 40% of conversations were all around products again so that initial hypothesis was correct right like you they are out to discover products and you know they ask about certain brands and what we thought is what what if we create a way for brands to engage meaningfully with these mothers right like there this is where they come at 2 am at whatever time to ask right this is where they're really seeking authentic advice which they are getting from peers but brands can also give you know educate right give maybe more scientific advice bring in experts and all of that like a content marketing channel for brands yeah we didn't know how it will play out to be honest because what we know is that you know the, the only reason a community thrives is because of its organic nature because it's a safe space so it's a very sacred space you cannot the minute you go and bombard it with an ad mm. or a blog that yeah, yeah, yeah. brand is sharing yeah. that's it right so we didn't know how to be honest we just wanted to find out how to solve this problem so we thought we'll talk to brands and we'll figure out that you know do they even know facebook groups exist if yes have they tried to talk to these consumers right why if they have and why not and that's where we realized that there's a big gap you know we felt like there's so much talk of digital that happens in the world 
but a lot of it is sitting at an eyeball level, right? They're all brands are present everywhere on the internet, which is like you said, right? Whether it's content marketing or it's ad or it's it's just like, you know, just let me go and find that consumer and build a custom audience and show them ads again and again and again. And the frequency with which I show the ads is where I believe I've been able to convince them. But we realize there's no way for brands to understand what are the real pain points of the consumers because consumers are talking in real time in Facebook groups, WhatsApp groups, right? But they don't have a means to get those distilled insights and they don't have a means to engage. Like it's just never happened just because communities never existed at that scale. That's where we said that there's an opportunity here. We started doing our early experiments around community marketing just really enabling brands to first understand, you know, again, we say top five pain points and then engage with moms through either educating them or, you know, engaging with them to share their experiences or giving them an exclusive value. Just one of those three things. It cannot be anything else. Right. So we started doing experiments and we found a fair bit of success in community marketing. And we used to always call it purpose-led marketing, middle funnel marketing, just very simply. Where are your consumers talking? Where are you listening? And where are you talking to them? So the consumers are actually talking in these groups, Facebook groups, WhatsApp groups, Reddit, wherever. You're trying to listen to them, right, through social listening and all that on Facebook pages, Instagram, everywhere else, but not these groups. And then you are trying to talk to them or market to them or show an ad to them again on all these other broadcast channels, right? Pages and Instagram and YouTube, which is great. They consume content there, but they are not talking there. It was as simple as that. We just had to figure the right way to add value to the consumer and to add value to the brand. So you were uh, giving insights to brands that this is what people are talking about and then you were crafting communication for the brand or they would craft something and then you would like publish it in the group or like tell me the nuts and bolts of this. Yes, the concept of community marketing starts from understanding the distilled insight and it's very simple. Like it's not any personal information. It's not that. It's just that if I have, you know, 100,000 conversations that my potential consumers are doing, I just want to find out what are the top five things that bother them, right? Do they want to learn about nutrition and what kind of nutrition? And this was a paid thing or like like you were charging brands for the insights? Or? So uh, we, we were not always charging them. It's just that that's what we used to use. It was a part of like how we used to function, right? We were anyways using insights to create content. Uh, so initially, it wasn't really charging them. Initially, it was even just to find out, do you even know this, right? Because you do a lot of research through surveys and all that and, you know, consumer emotions. Once a year, meeting your consumers. But do you know every day what they're talking about? So Got it. Okay. Insights, which then leads to marketing. And uh, marketing means once I understand the pain points, I try to answer them. I try to answer them through providing uh, the right information, through enabling uh other mums to bring out experiences around that pain point or through providing an exclusive value. Uh, so that's that's what we enabled then. Um, brands would not be a part of the community. We were very, again, a community is a very sacred place, 
right? So if they enter the community, that's it, right? The trust, they cannot be a part of the community. All the communication is done through the admin of the community and it's all done with the proper disclosures. So this, it's not like covert marketing, right? It's like, imagine if there's a community of entrepreneurs and Akshay wants to go and talk there, right? Like, or he just wants to tell that entrepreneurs to sign up for a, for a podcast, right? And he speaks to the admin and he tells the admin, hey, I'm, you know, like first I want to know what are the five things that, you know, uh, entrepreneurs talk about. And maybe one of those is that we want to get visibility, right? We want to get an interview or a podcast or we want to get visibility. And then if you go and market there, you could just do a two minute video where you're talking to them and telling them to sign up and telling them that, you know, what would be the benefits of doing so? Or you could say, hey, let me just give you tips on how to give a good interview, right? So it's all meaningful, right? So people are not going to say, oh my God, why are you doing this paid partnership with Akshay? Because they're, they're looking for that opportunity. And that's, it's it's very commonsensical when you think of it, but somehow that's just not how marketing is perceived, right? Like, So you started working with these brands which are making products for moms and babies and your team would create the content in different ways and insert it into the conversation. And then you would provide reports to brand like in terms of what is the ROI on what they spent like that's what was 2018 was about creating this kind of a model 2018 was figuring out this model really right like it was figuring out what would work right you cannot go and insert in conversations it has to be through the admin what would get accepted how to show ROI how to show an increase in conversation it's basically word of mouth you get into communities and you're that's the only place you can generate word of mouth. You can have your evangelists talk about you because they're already present in communities. How to measure word of mouth, tried a lot of metrics. So it was really figuring that out. And what was uh, 2019 about? So 2019 was about FCLP. So we got selected by Facebook for a program called Facebook Community Leadership Program where they had selected 100 community admins from across the globe in a program where they were going to provide us with some funding. And it was a nine-month-long program where, you know, we would get a chance to meet other admins and go through a structured learning program on community leadership. So when I saw that program, I was like, you know, this is like for us, right? Like, I'm not the kind of person who fills any award applications or anything. I just don't like all that. But someone sent it to me and I was like, wow, like we, we should fill this, right? And it's and the money that we got was $50,000. We thought we'll use that to build more communities and, you know, try to build more experiences in communities for moms, even in tier two cities. Okay. So 2019 was about that while continuing to scale up our communities, scale up the community marketing it actually started in end of 2018. So 2018 end is when the first FCLP meetup happened. Okay. But uh, 2019 is when that program was concluded. And with that, the idea of Conversite was born. That's what 2019. 2019 was like, oh my God, how do we now build Conversite? Tell me the genesis of Conversite. Sure. So when I went to FCLP in the first meetup, which was at Menlo Park in late 2018, I was just fascinated. Like I was amazed by every single individual in that cohort. Like, you know, I've gone through, I've been fortunate to have very good experiences in my life and meet a number of inspiring people. But these were all like, you know, kick-ass community builders who were doing like really meaningful work across the globe, different categories, 
So I was just trying to understand, right, their motivation. They were all doing it. And one thing really struck me was none of them were really making money. And, you know, time and again, like it was a very, very close knit program. So we were like together for four days, you know, no devices, nothing, just understanding each other going through this program. And what really came out of it was that we were apparently the one of the most advanced in that cohort in terms of the way we were monetizing and in terms of the technology and tools that we had built. Everyone else is a great community builder, right? Some of them would just decide to do it for nonprofit purposes, but everyone else was struggling to monetize, right? Was struggling to like, sort of you take your life's worth and figure out how do I make a livelihood? Because they love doing this. A number of them were doing this full time, right? But there was just no way to earn money. And that thought just didn't leave me. Nobody had access to that kind of data which you had because of the tools that you had built. Uh, I don't think it's that. I just think that it's the mindset. When we started Baby Destination, we started with the objective of, you know, launching a company, right? Like the idea was to have a business model around it, right? Right. Hmm. But most of the community admins, unless it's a brand community, they start a community Just because they are going through a pain point or, you know, they have a hobby or they're just helping a friend, like they just start a community without even knowing. It's a personal passion. Yeah. It's a personal passion. Yeah. And that's very important to note. They are very different from an Instagram influencer, a YouTube, who, who starts with the objective to monetize, right? These individuals mostly start with an objective, you know, just because they're going through a pain point. And because of that, the idea of monetizing is never there. Plus, it's not like who talks about monetizing communities? There's no talk about it, right? Like you talk about monetizing Instagram influencers, you know, no, no one even used to know community admins. So with all of that, right, they'll, once they start a community, they'll build a community. That's what, before they realize they're into it, like full time, (laughs) they're doing this. It's extremely gratifying. Every day you come and, you know, people are thanking you and you're just in this really gratified state, but you don't know how to make money. It's not about tools or data or like if today brands would understand the value of these community admins. And if they were discoverable, then the way that they go to Instagram influencers, hmm. it, it should also. be more than that, right. right? Yeah, this would at least be that much, if not more, because Instagram and with all due respect, that's still broadcast. It's all followers, right? This is an engaged group of audience that organically comes. You cannot pay money to build a Facebook group. There's no way you can do an ad. That's the reason. There was just no opportunity for them to do that unless they themselves decide to upskill themselves, to go and make a pitch, to go imagine going and selling this to a brand. And the brand is like, what? Like, you know, what's a Facebook group? So it's a massive education exercise to do this, right, to to, to brands. So this is where, you know, we thought that everything that we've done for Baby Destination uh, if, if we were to put it, we just thought that, oh my God, like, you know, we've done everything for Baby Destination, right? This is sort of the POC. If we were to take this and put it on a platform and then enable all these admins to build better communities, if we could upskill them, professionalize them and give them an ability to monetize, this would be like a whole new economy community. This is the supply and then brands have the demand. So that's how this idea came. There was no... <laughs> no thought to do this before FCLP. What was the plan? Was it to build a place where community admins can come and plug in their communities and through API, they can start seeing some data and then brands can also come and see the uh, similar kind of a data and then 
transact with the community admins on the platform is that what you thought or like tell me what you thought of the product being like we definitely thought that we'll create a product that removes a lot of clutter for community admins right like while they're on facebook of course facebook has given us all the opportunity to build the community but you know there's a notification overload there's so many notifications in that one feed right 100 different types of notifications so one is we wanted to give them a space where they are able to see all the data all the metrics right the growth engagement and the conversational insight metrics about their communities and manage their communities from one place get recommendations on when to post what to post so okay. it's like uh, you know your um, assistant to manage your community one is that second is uh, we we wanted to do a number of uh, workshops etc for them to upskill them to tell them about you know how to monetize what to do how to go even make a pitch how to do purpose led marketing right not covert marketing and then you know how to warm up your audience to it right all of that which was also like so we've done like 200 of these workshops so far now on the brand side we wanted to still maintain the sanctity of the community so it's not like you know an ad platform where you can just come and uh, right we we maintained the the middle layer of uh taking selling to the brand right aggregating the communities um and telling the brand the power of communities educating the brand really it's a massive education exercise on both sides that we've gone through and then uh all the sort of workflows of community uh, of posting etc they they're all automated within conversite but it's like we are facing off with the community and we're communities and we're facing off with the brand and we we started doing this with enterprise brands first because we realized that this is new right it's just digital marketing 2.0 like it's it's a new way to market so if this has to get accepted in the world it has to be the larger brands embracing it first and then it will go downstream how long was this journey to pivot from baby destination to conversite this was actually pretty quick like i said that late 2018 is you know when i first thought of this and by april of 2019 when i came back from my third sort of session at fclp we had decided we'd already started working on it like thinking about it from march uh, and our first product was out in october 2019 so we launched okay. in beta in october 2019 and then jan 2020 is when we launched went all out <laughs> how did you do the acquisition of admins uh, the community owners so you know the first few admins were the ones that you know i knew or i spoke to i met a number of admins in india i found out what are their pain points right it was really hard initially because even the thought that they can monetize or somebody even telling them even if it's another admin how will that happen right it's just too much right they're fundamentally not business owners that was the difference they were not in that mindset right so yeah. first uh, couple of months was lot of those conversations right where they're like how will this even happen and you know i some of them had already tried and failed a lot because brands used to keep comparing them to instagram or other platforms or bloggers so initially it was just that but then you know we went out and did what i think we do reasonably well which is create a community of them so we created a community of community admins um and we call it growth and monetization for facebook group admins we just thought that just really need to bring them together to share learning experiences and we can share our because we could be considered experts in building and monetizing at that uh, that's one thing we did the second is we set up a community success team this is the team that's out there to we're really serving admins right that's why we exist today 
and this team's role is to go out, talk to admins, uh, upskill them, tell them about Conversite. Um, so really the largest source of acquisition, it's it's all organic now. It's like 80% of it is through our community, word of mouth, referral, and through our community success team. And the community success team would be creating content, creating workshops. Yeah, not content as such, but yes, workshops, it's doing demos, it's, you know, telling them on how to monetize, right? Just helping them. So the success team onboards them and helps them with their first monetization campaigns. Okay. So how many uh, community owners are on Converseite today? There's close to 40,000 communities on Converseite and they collectively manage 350 million members. Wow. So that's, um, yeah, it's... I know even we sometimes look back and say, wow, because there's lots of communities, right? There's 1.8 billion people in communities now. So it's pretty large. This is uh, Facebook communities only. These are Facebook right now. We've also expanded to Reddit, but yeah, this is primarily Facebook. And like I said, I mean, now it's more and more just organic discovery through our community. Uh, We also do very, very informational content on Converseite.com. So our SEO has started picking up now this year. So A lot of international admins, they just discover us through our content and then that's when they'll install Converseite. But again, the idea is it cannot be 100% turnkey. Like they would require some handholding, which is why we were very clear that we need a community success team, right, to help them get set up. It's like once, you know, it's not just a hope, right? Once they monetize, then they're all out, right? Right. It's just that upskilling that they need, which just wasn't available before this. And how do you acquire brands like personal outreach and cold calling and stuff like yeah. that? Yeah, I mean, we don't do cold calling as such, but, you know, it's targeted outreach. Initially, it was a lot of it, which I used to just do personally on LinkedIn, targeted outreach, um, with where we had a pretty good response rate, like nine out of 10 people would come Wow, back that's amazing. And- yeah. And every call that we've had so far, like, again, nine out of 10 of those calls have converted into paid pilots and customers. Wow. So what's the secret behind that? It's like, you know, think about it. If I come and tell you that, Akshay, there are these entrepreneurs in these three communities, they are talking about this. Like, you wouldn't even blink, right? You would be like, okay, can I get in front of them? So every it's- message you send on LinkedIn, you would include some nugget of insight about that brand i wouldn't i wish it was you know i was doing that like in a very disciplined way i wasn't doing that but in conversations at least like when you had calls then you would yeah present some insights and that would like open their eyes and say wow yeah i mean insights right just even saying like like i said right where are your consumers talking and it's you always think of it offline oh they're talking and you know i can go to an event i can go to but just telling them that these spaces exist, right? This is a reality. People have changed. Of course, COVID has taken this to a different level altogether. But consumers, right, they move from TV to digital because consumers moved online. But this is where they are spending their time now, right? Like, And, and you have an ability to coexist with them. It is a reality. It's not just, you know, a thought. So I think that's the reason. But now... of our business from brands is, again, all referrals now, referral and inbound. So what is your Converseite monetization? Like part of the spend by the brand stays with you, I'm guessing? Yes, yes. That's our monetization model. And now we're also planning to launch more self-serve models. So now Converseite 2.0 will be about the D2C brands having the ability to market in communities. We're expanding across more categories and uh, it'll be 
self-serve or semi-self-serve models. Okay, right now it's uh, pretty high touch. Like there would be an account manager for a brand who would work with them to create that. And then your success team would also work with the community owners to help them execute the campaign. Yes, especially the first time, right? And I don't see that success team going away as we become bigger because, you know, as more and more admins are coming on to this, they're doing this for the first time. But yeah, that's the model today. Yeah. How did you manage like the payment ecosystem? Because you would have people from all over the world. Do you need to have like some sort of bank linkages across the world or how did you manage that? So we first year was only in India. Okay. Right. We've only now started expanding to US and, you know, next was Southeast Asia and now it's US. So monetization is not global right now, although the tools can be used globally by anybody. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Monetization was primarily in India, and now it's international, and that's where the payments uh, tools are being upgraded to ensure different geographies. Like we're now working with two customers in the US, so it's it's now being scaled up. Okay, and tell me about the fundraise journey so far. So we've raised uh, about thirteen and a half million so far. We raised our seed round through Sequoia Surge and IV Cap which was last year in March. And we recently raised another round through the lead investor was Qual Grow and then Unilever Ventures and then uh, Sequoia Surge and IVCAP also participated. Okay. Unilever is betting on it as a, because it's a way for them to market their brands as well. Like they would have personally experienced <laughs> the power of the platform, I guess. Yeah. So we were doing some pilots with them, but they're very different teams. Unilever Ventures is, you know, it's an entity based out of UK. So it's, uh, you know, we, we when we decided to partner with them, we did our sort of, you know, diligence. And of course, because um, so it's different, like the brand teams are different and the, the venture arm is different. So my last question to you, what's like the roadmap now for Converseite? So Converseite 2.0 is going to be more self-serve, less of the high touch element in it. So which would probably allow you to onboard brands at a faster pace. Then what next after that? Yeah, so Converseite 2.0 will do, you know, this solve solve this problem of education at scale also. It's really that okay. there's things that we're doing which will make communities very legit, right? Right in front of you. We'll make communities extremely discoverable. You know, these our users are superstars and I think they should be out in the world. Like currently there's no way. Like if I was to ask you, there's no way to tell that, hey, these are the hundred communities where I'll find my consumers, right? It'll enable that discovery. It'll give them their personalized uh, spaces, landing pages where, you know, they can exhibit their work. It will give D2C brands, smaller brands an opportunity. Like everybody should have the opportunity to do this. Everybody. Like I'm saying even you, right? Like Everyone should have the opportunity to go in front of their consumers in communities. Um, And that's what this will enable. The enterprise model will continue to stay high touch, but that's just enterprise brands. But for all other brands, whether it's local businesses, like imagine a local community, right? And And a coffee shop that just wants to talk to consumers. So we just, I know it sounds really big, but that's really the dream. This should happen in the world because community builders work really hard. They've, they've done all the hard work. You know, that's the thing. Like they've gone through years of hard work in building this. And now is their time to, you know, monetize it meaningfully. And it, it it provides tremendous value to the consumer and to the brand when it's done in the right manner. 
So that's the direction that we are going in, also expanding to other community platforms. So that was Tamanna Dhamija telling Akshaytat about how Convosite was developed. If you'd like to know more about it, do log on to convosite.com. That's www.convosight.com. This episode of Founder Thesis Podcast is brought to you by Long Haul Ventures. Long Haul Ventures is the long haul partner for founders and startups that are building for the long haul. More about them is at www.longhaulventures.com.